Welcome to week number two in our series that we're calling Legacy or Live a Legacy. Uh, man, our tech guys created that. They're doing so much uh, where we used to have to look for uh, churches to help us out. They did that themselves. I went, I went home and downloaded that, that song uh, last week. Uh, fantastic, inspirational stuff there. Uh, this is week number two, but before we jump in uh, to the message this week, uh, I just want to give a, a, a shout out to all those that are joining us, of course, uh, on our online campus. Did you know we have over 100 plus every single week uh, in our online campus, Valley Online Campus, and also our Poughkeepsie campus? Uh, and let's just give them a big hand right now. They're joining us. Now, there's a lot of exciting things that are going on here at Valley Christian Church, and uh, specifically, the uh, reason why I mentioned our Poughkeepsie campus next week, I'm going to be showing you the big reveal of our Poughkeepsie campus, uh, the architectural drawings of what that's going to look like, uh, that campus there, and it's crazy crazy awesome. It's cray cray is what it is and uh, uh, really excited about that and, and just even laying out some, some more details each week as we go along uh, in this series called Legacy. If you do have your Valley app, go ahead and open that up. I think you're going to want to follow along and fill in the blanks, look back at some of these scriptures because a lot of what we're looking at are things that you don't hear much in church. Uh, you don't hear these things touched on or talked about much, um, and, and, and it's really, really important. A lot of what we're going to look at, really uh, jumping right into it in, in just a second, uh, are actually the words of Jesus himself that are uh, easy to ignore because they're very, very challenging to us. Uh, but before we do that, let me start off by asking a question. Have, have you ever... Uh, like, uh, this is my hometown, uh, so it's not like I go back to my hometown. But have you ever gone back to your hometown and, like, gone by the house where you grew up? Anyone ever done that before? I did that earlier today. Uh, you, you know, I, I grew up in Hopewell, really, from the time I was five years old. Uh, my parents lived in the same house from the time I was five till uh, I was 24 years old when they moved to New York, uh, when they moved from New York down to North Carolina. And uh, I, I drove by the old Williamson homestead today, and uh, it's so funny, right off of Lake Walton Road, here, even as I'm driving down Lake Walton Road, I, I'm just, in my mind, I'm remembering the bus route. Like, we knew every single person on Lake Walton Road. I, I knew every, every one of those families. Hopewell was a real small place back in the 1970s. Um, and then we, we, we turned on Brescia Boulevard. Angie Drive was where my family's home was. And I drove by there, and everything looked so much smaller. You know, because I guess I was a little guy and everything was huge and big. Everything was so much closer. Everything was so much smaller. And do you know the, I drove by the house where I lived, you know, all my childhood, really, like I said, five years old to 24. Someone else is living in that house today. I mean, that's crazy. There's not, there's not related to me. Someone else is living in that house that we said was the Williamson's home. We thought we owned it, but now someone else lives in it. And you know what? The same is true with your house. Even if you had it built, guess what? One day, someone else you don't even know is going to be living in your house. The car you drive, chances are someone else will be driving it after you. Your kids will if once they become teenagers or, you know, whatever. But there's so many things. We, we look at the stuff of life, and we think it's so permanent, and in reality, it's not. It's all temporary. 
In fact, I know the guy who's living in the house I grew up in. I, he was an assistant. We were assistant football coaches together. He's now the head coach of John Jay uh, football team. And he's a, he's a buddy of mine living in my house. See, there's this perspective that is so easy for us to live with that this is really what life is all about here on earth. Jesus gives us a very, very different perspective. And it's a game changer. It's a paradigm shift, if you will. And I want to look at, start by just, just reading one of these stories, a parable. If you're not real familiar with the Bible, Jesus told a lot of parables. It's a, it's a story that teaches something. And I want to look at one of these parables that Jesus taught, and it's a game changer in terms of perspective. And he talks about what we're going to figure out, what we're going to stumble across, is, is just so paramount, so critical for you and for me as his followers. And that is this whole concept, this whole idea of being rich towards God. Being rich towards God. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16. Jesus says, and he told them this parable. So it's a story to illustrate some points, some, a teaching. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So it's like, he, he's got it big. He's a rich man, and here comes this great harvest. And he thought to himself, watch this now, what shall I do? I have no place to store. Now watch this. He says, my crops. I have no place to store my stuff. This is my stuff. I own it. This is mine. He goes, I have no place to store it. This huge harvest. He's already rich. Now he's a farmer and he has even more harvest come in. I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus, my stuff. I'll tear down my barns. I'm going to build even bigger ones. And I will, that's where I'll store my surplus grain. Sounds like a little two-year-old, doesn't he? My, 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 my. We don't talk like that as grown-ups, but we still think like that. Jesus goes on and he says, And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up, look at this, for many years. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. This rich man thought because he had more stuff, he had more time. But he was wrong. More stuff doesn't mean that we have more time. Common misconception. I'm secure. I've got everything I need. I've got time. Those two things do not equate to one another. And he says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Just go on a great fishing trip. Something like that. But God said to him, you fool. When God calls someone a fool, guess what? They're a fool. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be, de will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He's like, you think you had all this stuff. I thought, I, I thought we had a Williamson home on Lake Walton, off of Lake Walton Road. Somebody else is living in it now. I, I, I used to have this nice Volkswagen Passat. It was 2009. And it was beautiful. 
I don't even know where it is right now because I traded it in for my, my car I have now that I got in 2013. I got all this stuff. Doesn't mean we got time. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? I, I, I said it last week. I don't know if it was, it was during this service or not, but I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul on the back. You can't take your stuff with you. But watch this now. Jesus says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Goes on and he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, I don't know about you, but just this one parable alone, and, and most of the parables that Jesus talked about was about stuff and earthly possessions. This one enough, just if he didn't talk about any of the other ones. We're just looking at this one during our time together today. I want to know what that means. <laughs> because Jesus said, this is how it will be for whoever. Whether you believe in him or not. Anyone, everyone, whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. It doesn't say it's wrong to store up for yourself, but if we store up for ourselves and we ignore this idea that Jesus puts forth of being rich towards God, guess what? We lose. We lose out. And so this is, this is kind of like cold water in the face. What is Jesus talking about here? Why should we be rich towards God? Two questions I want to answer in our time together. Why should we be rich toward God? Well, short answer, because Jesus said we should. That's just enough right there. But why should we be rich towards God? Why is this important? Here's why. Because it's smart. <laughs> because it's smart. Jesus is trying to help his followers out. And if I'm a good pastor, I'm trying to help you out by even talking about this, by even looking at these things. Because Jesus said, listen, if we just store up this stuff for ourselves, and we ignore being rich towards God, we end up with nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's smart. Jesus also put it this way. Look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And again, if you have one of these versions of the Bible where it has uh, the words of Jesus uh, in red, you'll notice all of this stuff is red. <laughs> this is Jesus talking about all these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, watch this now, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Here he's giving us another idea of this whole idea. What does it mean to be rich towards God? He says, it's not about storing up stuff on this, uh, on this planet for yourself. Store it up where it can't be stolen, where it won't be destroyed, where, where it won't be corroded. And he goes on and he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. Now, here's an interesting thing that I've noticed. And statistically, you can study this and it proves out. The wealthier a person is, the more rich they are, the more they're okay with life on this planet. They're focused in the present moment. The poorer someone is, they're praying, Jesus, take me now. Jesus, take me now. 
They're, they're, they're looking for, listen, if you, we've been to some spots, Susie and I, in Eastern Europe and stuff, like, like we're, we're outhouses and, and no running water where you have to literally go in the village, get the well to get the water in the morning. That's all you have, no running water in the, those folks are like, God, take me now. We get so comfortable because we're so blessed, particularly in this nation, that eternity seems like it's millions and millions of years away. But it's not. Listen, tomorrow morning, I'm doing a funeral for a woman who died at age 40. Tragically, suddenly, mother, gone. We think we've got all this time because we're comfortable and we're really enjoying life here. Jesus says, stuff does not equate to time. It does not equate to time. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. The more stuff we have here, the more our heart is here and not with God. That's why we've got to understand this whole principle. What does it mean to be rich towards God? It's so critically important. This is why Jesus is teaching on it. Where your treasure is, there your de the desires of your heart will be also. In other words, what I do with my stuff shows what's really first in my heart. What I do with the things that God's entrusted into my hands to care for, to manage, we're going to learn in just a minute. It shows, really, is Jesus first in Greg's heart or is his stuff first in his heart? What's really got the first place? So why should we be rich toward God? Because it's smart. Because also, listen, right now, as I speak, two of my aunts are in hospice care. The two remaining sisters of my mother. One is 89 and one is 88. 89 years old and 88 years old. I was talking to my cousin this week about, and, and I was just praying for her and all. And, she, and uh, so it's my cousin, it's her grandmother, long story short. She's actually my second cousin. It's her grandmother, my aunt. And, and, and I said, listen, I just want you to know, Lindsay, I'm praying for you guys. And, and you know, my Hazy, her name's Hazel. I just love Hazel so much. And, and she said, I love her too. And she said, I left, I left her tonight. And I said, goodbye, Gammy. As a grandmother, she said, goodbye, Gammy. I'll see you tomorrow. You know what my aunt said, 89 years old? She said, baby, I hope not. I hope tomorrow I'm with Jesus. See, see there's just something about when you, you, you start getting close to that, when you know it's coming, it's like that's, the stuff doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. So 89 years, 90 years, 100 years, compared to 100 million years in eternity, this is Nothing. But the more stuff we have, the more it's just this human nature, we get stuck here in the present and we forget about what really is important. And this is why Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, if it's here, your heart's gonna be here. There the desires of your heart will be also. If it's there, then that's where your heart will be. That's where your heart will be. So. How can we be rich towards God? Jesus says, so it will be for everyone 
This is how it will be with whoever who stores up for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So he's not saying we shouldn't have stuff. We, we talked about that some last week. He's given us all things to enjoy. But the whole thing is, does our stuff have a grip on us? Does the stuff have the grip on us? And, and so how can we, here's the second question, how can we be rich towards God? How can we, could I put it this way? How can we build a heavenly portfolio? I, I want to help you to learn, understand, according to the Bible, how you can build a heavenly portfolio. Because here's this, lifetime, this is a blank This is a blink, 89 years, 90 years, 100 million years. Eternity is just getting going after 100 million years. It's forever, forever. How can we be rich towards God? Four ways that we can be rich. Here's the first one, give myself to God. Give myself to God. I've heard it put this way before. John Bonnell, this guy named John Bonnell, he put it this way. If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. When we give ourselves wholly and completely to God, all other giving is easy. But but when we're just kind of like, God, you can have this part of my life, but this whole part of my life, hands off. Now all of a sudden, our stuff has us. When I was five years old, in fact, it was, it was the day we were moving from Georgia up here to the house we're talking about. When I was five years old, I knelt down by the bed in a hotel through a series of events, and I prayed with my father. He helped me, and I prayed, and I asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And I said, Jesus, even at five years old, best I can understand, my life is yours. I give it to you, and I've never asked for it back. That means everything. I was five years old. I didn't have anything. But you know what? I gave him everything I had. I gave him my life. I gave him my heart. And, and, and I know for some people being, being generous is a struggle. It hasn't ever been that difficult for me. Because I gave him everything I have. When I was five, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I, I never saw any of this happen. In fact, I thought I was going to play football for the Dallas Cowboys. That's what I thought was going to happen. But it didn't because I'm five foot. So anyway, give myself to God. Look at this. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. You are not your own. See, our culture says, it's my life. I can do what I want. Not if you're a Christian, you can't. Not not if you say Jesus is your Savior. You can't do whatever you want with your life because that's actually what it means. You give him your life. You are not your own. It's my body. I can do whatever I want to with it. No, you can't. Not, no, no, you can't. Not if you understand what Jesus said. You're not your own. Watch this now. You are bought at a price. What was the price? The perfect life of Jesus Christ that he laid down for you. The one who's without sin, who always did exactly what God wanted him to do. Never once a moment of selfishness. Never once a moment of self-preservation. Never once absolutely perfect who laid his life down for you. That's who bought you. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. And watch what God expects of us as a result of the payment Jesus made for you and me, living a perfect life, sacrificing, laying his life down as a substitute for you and me on the cross and resurrected. Therefore, because you were bought with a price, because Jesus bought Greg Williamson's life with a price, honor God with your bod. Honor God with your bod. 
In other words, when I became five years old, when I was five years old, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, in that moment, my body no longer belonged to me. It belonged to two people. It belonged to Jesus, because I recognized he paid for it. And it belonged to one day, the woman that God would bring into my life as my wife. Right now, for the last 27 years, my body is not my... Since five, it belongs to Jesus, still does. It belongs to Susie. It doesn't belong to Greg. Clear teaching in the scripture. This is not, I can't do whatever I want to with this. Because Jesus paid for me. Jesus paid for me with his life. And Jesus paid for you with, with his life as well. And so my body doesn't belong to me. Belongs to Jesus, belongs to Susie. If you're a Christian, your body doesn't belong to you. You, you, you have no right to do whatever you want to with your body. No right what, at all. Clear teachings of Scripture. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, as a result of this, honor God with your body. With your body. So we, first thing, how, do we, how, do, how are we rich towards God? We give him, and he's not just like, I want your body. He's like, I want everything. I want everything. I bought it all. I bought your intelligence. I bought your sense of humor. I, I bought the strength of which the IQ, the strength for you to do your job, the IQ so that you can even communicate like this. I bought it all. It all belongs to me or none of it does. First thing, how, do we, how are we rich towards God? I give myself to God. Here's the second thing. How are we rich towards God? Second way, act like a steward and not an owner. Let me explain this word steward. It's not the, the guy's name, Stuart. That's not what I'm saying. It's not an airplane steward or anything like that. What does a steward mean? This is an old English word. You see this throughout the Bible, this whole idea. When you see this word steward like this, think manager. Manager. Act like a manager, not an owner. We already saw, what is it? As a Christian, what? my body doesn't even belong to me. I'm to manage it to glorify God. Doesn't belong to me. I'm to manage it. All the things, all the blessings that God brings into my house, into my life, my house, my car, my family, my wife, my marriage, my, my, the church that, that, that I'm responsible for. This isn't my church. This is his church. I'm called to manage this church. This doesn't belong to me. Almost every time before I get up to preach during worship, I always stand in the back. There's a reason why I stand in the back. One, because I'm getting my game face on. I'm focused. Two, my knees are knocking, and I don't want you to see that, okay? And I've been doing this for 27 years now, but you know what? I'm always nervous, and under my breath, you know, pastors usher, they look at me, and they're going, what's wrong with you? And I'm going, blah, blah, blah. I'm shaking your hand as you walk by, and I'm going, blah, blah, blah. And, and what I'm saying is this. is like, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. You're, you're, you're going to have to pour out your grace on me because I can't do this. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I am scared to death of the moment when I feel like I can do this. He's given me this demand. I'm like, God, only you can do this. When we share what God's done in and through the Valley family, it's not Greg Williamson. It's not the staff of Valley Christian Church. It's God. He owns this. We're managing it. And you know what? One day... If, if the Lord allows, I'm not going to be managing this anymore. You know, there's going to be a time, and it's not anytime soon, but there'll be someone else that's going to manage this as the lead pastor. Because this is not my church. Act like a steward, not an owner. Look at this. 
Bible makes it clear in Psalm 24, verse 1. There's so much in the Bible about this, but I'm just going to use this one verse for right now. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in the world. He owns it all. He created it. The creator owns it. That means you. He owns you. You know that house you think you own? (laughs) You don't. You're managing it for him. And one day in the teachings of Scripture, real clear, we touched on a little bit of it last week. One day we're going to have to give an account. Jesus talked about this over and over, told these parables about having to give an account for how we've managed his stuff, what we've done with his stuff. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, every possession, and all who live in it, every human being. And so what does that mean? Act like a manager. Act like a steward and not an owner. I remember with our kids, when they were growing up, uh, there, there were times I, I'd walk into one of my daughter's rooms and it'd just be a shambles. It'd just be just a disaster. And I'd walk in there and I'd say, honey, um, you need to get this room cleaned up right now. And I remember one day one of them said to me, well, daddy, it's my room. I can do what I want. And I said, hey, uh, ho- hold on a minute. Whose room is this? And she said, it's my room. I can do what I want. And I said, no, you can't. I'll be back in a minute. And I went downstairs and I got a garbage bag. And I came upstairs and I just started putting stuff in the garbage bag. She said, Daddy, what are you doing? I said, this is not your room. This is my room. You have not paid one dime for this. This is my room. I own this. And you stay in this room because of Daddy's good grace. This isn't your room. This is my room. And I said, And if you're going to abuse the stuff that's in here, I'm going to throw it in the trash. And all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb came on. She said, Daddy, I'm going to clean my room right now. And she said, I mean your room right now. And we're like, ha ha, you know, that's kind of funny. But God is doing the same thing with your stuff. We say, this is my house. This is my life. This is my family. And God says, whose family? Whose house? Whose stuff? You're just managing it. And I was asking my daughter to manage what I was entrusting into her care, where she stayed. Manage it well. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. The, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Act like a steward, not an owner. Here's the third way that we become rich toward God. View everything through the lens of eternity. We talked about this a lot last week. View everything through the lens of eternity. A great example of this is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, talking about Moses and what it says here. And listen to how Moses had this view of eternity, even in the Old Testament. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a short time. Boy, doesn't that sum up a lot of people's lives? We have this choice. Am I going to be identified with the people of God and live my life the way God wants me to, or am I going to enjoy the pleasures of this life for a short time thinking this is all there is? Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace, ridicule, being mocked 
for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because watch, he was looking ahead to his reward. And we talked about this last week, eternal rewards. Moses, even he didn't have the gospel. Jesus had not come yet, but he understood God's going to reward me when I identify with his people and live my life the way God wants me to instead of the way the world sees things. He was looking for reward. He knew God was going to bless him. He was looking ahead to his reward. And isn't this amazing? Here, Hebrews eleven twenty six. He, Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Jesus hadn't been born of the, of the Virgin Mary yet. But Moses got it. There's more to this life than this life. There's more to this life that, that is about God and being rich towards him. And so view everything through the lens of eternity. He was looking ahead to his reward. Number four, be intentional. How are we rich towards God? It doesn't happen by accident. You don't just kind of fall into it like, wow. No one's going to be surprised in eternity when God says, you were rich toward me, I'm going to reward you. They're like, what? I had no idea I was. It doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional. You have to be deliberate with it and about it. And that's why we're talking about it, so we can be intentional about it. I, I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, uh, in the translation, English translation of the Bible, uh, the message, it puts it this way. I love this. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind what you're going to give. He's talking, at this point, it's actually an offering that's happening uh, in, in the church of Corinth. And make up your mind what you will give, that, you, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. So, so even the teachings of Scripture say, don't be haphazard with your generosity. Think it through. Be intentional. Generosity is never like, ah, oh, let me see. I think I got something here. What do I got? That's not the teaching of Scripture. Think it through. Be intentional. That way you won't be manipulated. None of those things are going to happen. Now, rest assured, that will never happen in this church. We're never going to manipulate you. We're never going to strong arm you. You're going to sob. So we're not going to try to do all those things. What we simply do is this. As we're, we're moving into this incredible phase of, of expansion, of, of really the vision of our church, we're just going to tell you this is what God's put in our heart to do. Pray about it, and you do what God's called telling you to do whatever he says to you pray about it take plenty of time to think it over make up your mind what you're going to give and then do it be intentional about it not accidental that's why we're doing this four-part series just laying it out i'm about to lay out some of those real specifics in just a minute lay it out pray about it think about it and then do it and you know what happens it brings joy instead of feeling like oh i gotta do this Oh, I got to do this? Mm -mm. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. That only happens through planning. It doesn't happen by accident. It's not spur of the moment. It happens through planning, being intentional. Now, last week we put this up. I want to do it again. This is, what we're, this is what we're asked from a Valley family. This is what we call a generosity ladder. This is what we did three years ago, and, and this is why we were able to launch our second campus, our Poughkeepsie campus, pay for the entire thing in cash, everything in cash. 
because we just, back then we did this uh, and we're asking again, identify where you are on this ladder, this generosity ladder, and just take one step. We're not asking anyone to be doing something crazy, something nuts, just take one step. First time giver, that means you've never given before. Occasional giving, that's kind of like, well, here's this, well, I don't know, well, here's this. It's kind of haphazard. Intentional giving, that's really like what we're talking about in this verse especially. Being intentional, thinking it out, deciding, and doing it, being intentional with it. Maybe you're already an intentional giver. Maybe it's a percentage. You're like, I give X amount every single month. That's what I'm going to do every single month. There's a pattern to it. Uh, up to 9%, 9% of your income. Why 9%? Because the Bible teaches about tithing. That word tithe means 10%. It's not tithe if it's 2%. That's giving. That's an offering. It's not tithing. No one is tithed until it's 10%. 10% of your income. Susie and I have not tithed in years. I got to be honest. We haven't tithed in, I don't know, 20 years. Because this is where we've been for over 20 years. 10%, like, we just, that, that, that's like 1992 for the Williamsons. 1993. Because as we looked at last week, the Bible tells us to grow in the grace of giving. That's why we're not asking anyone to run up all those stairs tomorrow. Take one step. Three years ago, I asked the church, take one step. And that's how we did it. That's how we did it. We, we, had, the, we had the equipment on order. We were ready for the portable church. We had it on order. And, and then I said, okay, and we're going to do this again in December. Okay, here, here it is. Now, let's everyone just do the best you can. Whatever God said, just do the best you can. And we had over $300,000 offering one day. Paid for it in cash. Done. Done. Just by taking a step. And so, again, I'm just asking you right now, just identify where you are right now and begin to pray. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Be intentional about it. Think it through, just like as we read there in the message, to, to think it through. Think it, think it over and make up your mind what you're going to give. Be intentional. Here's the reason why I think it's so important to be intentional in our giving, to think it through. Because you know what we do with what you give? We think it through also. We're very intentional and very deliberate with what you give. Look around you. None of this happened by accident. We're going to do the right thing. And I think we've proven that over the years. Uh, 24 years I've been the lead pastor of the church. We're going to do the right thing with what you trust into our hands. And so I, I want to share with you now what we call four legacy lanes. These are four legacy lanes. This is why we're calling this legacy. So we call it legacy lane. Four ways that we're going to use what you entrust into our hands for God's kingdom's sake. And, and here's the whole idea. It, it really comes through uh, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is the strategy. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, but you will receive power. He's talking to the disciples before he sends them out. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. That's an interesting word in the Greek. It's word martyr. Uh, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Watch this now. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you'd see these on a map, it's almost like concentric circles. Basically saying, in your hometown, in the surrounding areas, in the greater area, and in the whole world. 
And so this is what we call our four legacy lanes. This is the strategy right here. It's not just about moving from a portable to a permanent facility in Poughkeepsie. It's some things we're going to do here. It's some things we're going to do in Westchester. It's some things we do in Dutchess County. It's some things we're going to do in the United States. It's some things we're going to do around the world following this model. Why? Because we wouldn't ask you to be intentional with your giving if we weren't going to be intentional with our giving as a church. It's all the same. We're not going to ask you to do anything that we don't do as a church. So let me just share with you, this is the whole idea. See, we don't give to a church, we give through a church. We're not asking you to give to Valley. We're asking you to give through Valley. Remember back a few weeks ago, when it was the hurricane in, in, uh, uh, in Houston, and, and my friend who's a pastor down there, Terry Darnell, he called me, he told me what was going on, and I said, Terry, let me tell the church, uh, let's see what we can do. And, and, and I shared that with you, and in one week, $10,000, boom! See, when we, together, we can make so much more of an impact. And he's literally going through the neighborhood and rebuilding homes with that material that he bought with that $10,000. He raised 100000 total and rebuilding homes all over the place. And we gave him 10% of it. Isn't that funny? 10%. You ever hear that before? Isn't that crazy how that worked out like that? Because we don't ask you to do something that we don't do. And I said, Terry, we'll give you 10%. We got 10% coming. And I got to tell you, I knew that was going to happen. And so on the phone, I told him before I ever had the offering, I said, Terry, we're good for 10000 Write it down. He's like, well, how can you do that? I said, I know the Valley family. I know, my, I know the church family. I know what they're going to do. And the fact is, it was a little shy, and we just had to round it up a few dollars to get to the 10. We don't give to a church. Don't give to Valley. Give through Valley. So here are these areas that we call legacy lanes where your giving can make a difference through Valley Christian Church. Now, here's the thing. You can do whatever you want on your own, but any one of us knows by ourselves, nowhere near the impact as when we come together and together we say we're going to do this just like we did three years ago we came together as a valley family we're going to start a new campus no one person could do that we're going to do this together and guess what happens we all win and we're all blessed as a result of it so here it is four lanes four lanes areas. First of all, in Valley, what are we going to do through Valley? Through our church, we want to see more people come to know Christ and make a difference for him and, and in their lives. And, and this lane accelerates the vision to reach as many people as possible with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. How are we going to do that? Well, by, by uh, one of the things is moving our portable campus into a permanent facility in Poughkeepsie, and I'll be showing you that next week. Uh, not, I, I showed it in in the past, but we're going to show you what it's going to look like when we're done. Uh, also starting a new campus in Cortland Manor. I can't tell you what it's like to have people calling me, coming up to me, literally. Just, just two weeks ago, a guy came up to me. He goes, would you please? I wasn't even in the church. I was out in town. Someone came up to me and goes, you're the pastor at, at Valley. Yes. I heard you guys have multi-site. And I was like, yes. He goes, would you please start a church in Cortland Manor? People begging would you please start something down in Westchester? And I'm like, where does that even happen in this world? Starting a new church in, in Cortland Manor, a new site. Next summer, we're going to have, which we had uh, for the last few years, uh, Kids Blast. We, we, we just think that's why legacy is so important, to invest in the future, to invest in our kids. We had a three-day Kids Blast this past year. Uh, we're going to have a full week 
this next summer full week Monday through Friday because we heard a lot of parents we had over 100 kids for three days and we had a lot of parents say man if you if you could you can go ahead and clap man that's awesome we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we had a hundred we had a hundred kids and, and and we had parents said if it was just Monday through Friday my kid would be there but I don't want to pull him out of that other program for just three days and so we're gonna have five days uh, next summer kids blast I don't know how many kids are gonna have 150 I, I have no idea and, and so that's going to be, and listen, fall of 2018, through Valley, we're going to be opening fall of 2018, Valley Preschool. And we are so excited about that to help those little, little guys and girls there, even at that young age, uh, to, to begin to grow. And it's a safe place for parents to bring their preschoolers. We're not only, we're not going to be babysitting, we're going to be, it's going to be like Sunday school every morning. How cool is that? Monday through Friday. Preschool fall of 2018 because we want to invest and we want to live and leave a legacy and then I'm so excited about this it's going to take a little bit more time but the summer of 2019 I've talked to Karen Johnson our children's pastor over a year about this so excited about this summer of 2019 we will launch Valley Kids Camp a five day a week eight weeks out of the summer Christian camp for kids kindergarten through fifth grade so excited about that everything all summer long where parents can come and 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 again what your kids experience and kids blast it's going to be so phenomenal we're so excited about this because we believe you know what I was that little five-year-old back there that was me and I was that little eight-year-old back there and that nine-year-old back there. See, see, kids, it's not like this is the important stuff and what's going on in Valley Kids is not important. It's even more important. Even more important. So that's just what we're going to do in the Valley Lane. That's lane number one. Lane number two, locally. Our first responsibility is right here in New York, especially in the towns and the cities where we have campuses. And through this lane, we support, we grow, and we partner with local ministries to reach the people in our state. Now listen, just a few examples of this. Uh, Walter Hoving Home, the Bread of Life, and Unshattered. Unshattered right next door. I, I, I was texting our administrator, Judy Sheck. I said, Judy, can you compile the number for me of what we've done since January for Unshattered, January of 2016? Listen, you did this, and we just do this. We just, we just do this. We didn't ask for anything. We just do it. Since, since last year, we have invested in Unshattered right next door $33,000. $33,000 because we believe in those ladies. We love those ladies, and we want to continue to do more and more and more. We, we, we give them that building, we pay for that building, and, and we just simply say, listen, this is all, just, just cover the electricity and the heat. That's all. $33,000 that you gave. Do we benefit from that? No, not at all. Why would you do something like that? To leave a legacy. To live a legacy. Listen, the funeral I'm doing tomorrow is a 40-year-old woman who overdosed. I haven't regretted that decision that we made to make that investment for those unshattered ladies for one moment. Not for one moment. Could, 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 could we use that money for something else? Yes, and it would not be as valuable. 
it would not be as valuable. $33,000 just to unshattered. I'm not going to give you all the amounts for all those, but also Walter Hoving Home, Bread of Life, and even more locally on a regular basis. And we have not quantified what our community groups do on a regular basis, just serving in the community all the time. Nationally, this is the third lane. Our second area of focus is our country. This lane allows us to launch more churches nationwide through partnering with a group called ARC, Association of Related Churches. That on a regular, they've, they've planted over 500 churches in the United States, and they continue to plant over 100 churches every single year. And we financially, we support them. They have a 95% success rate in starting new churches, 95%. All other uh, organizations that, that start churches, it's somewhere between 20 and 15% success rate are 95%. And so we, we value them and we say, we want to help our nation. Our nation needs more strong, healthy, vibrant churches. And so nationally, we support them. Internationally, we believe every person deserves the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. And so through this lane, we partner with what we identify as multiplication ministries that plant churches and train up other leaders. A couple examples of these. Many of you remember Pastor Yuri Semenyuk in Transnistria, uh, Tiraspol, Transnistria, where we've been several times. Susie and I, I've preached there. I've taught there. We've, we've been there and done leadership development. We know what's happening there. Uh, even now, they're, they're having all kinds of new persecution that's coming on the church by the KGB there. And, and he's been sending me messages, asking for prayer, and we're going to continue to support him. If we can't go there anymore, and that, that's a possibility that could happen where we can't even go there because it would be illegal to go there and to preach, then we're going to bring Yuri here. We're going to bring members, and we'll train them right here, and they can go back. But we're going to continue to support them internationally. Also, Pastor Anatoly Gavriluk in Kiev, Ukraine. And the same exact thing. You don't hear this on the news anymore. Ukraine's been devastated by, by the conflict on the border with Russia absolutely devastated and one of the main things that they do right now is just giving people a place to live and to feed them people that have been totally displaced upon that border right there because of all the fighting and and, and we're told you're our sister church same thing with pastor you're you're our sister church we're in we're, we're going to help you and so it's not just valley you know to, to ben it's not about benefiting us it's about reaching more people here in, in Dutchess County Westchester County the United States in the world. That's what we call our four legacy lanes. I share that with you so you can know how intentional we are. And so when we ask you to be intentional, you can know it's not haphazard what we do with your resources that you trust into our care. We as a church family want to be rich towards God as well. And so what I want to do right now, I, I want to give you a glimpse just of why we do what we do. And I want to I share right now a story, uh, not my words, in his own words, about just in the last two years, two and a half years, what God has done. This is, this is a family who has come to Valley in the last two and a half years and just how God has impacted their lives since coming here. And so I just want to share right now, so you get a, this is why we do what we do. Christian Jones' story. Let's just go ahead and see that right now. So my story begins with Valley, with um, my wife Krista in search for her own, um, let's say, spiritual um, guidance. 
And um, we were both Roman Catholics, and uh, we, she was searching, and I was pretty much good with the traditional um, Catholic feel, and you know, had the kids do all the communion and confirmation and get their sacraments through, and um, you know, just the traditional values. And Krista was looking for much more before I was, um, based on you know Sparrow's Nest and how God was guiding her. And um, so we, uh, we, thought, we talked about it and we put it together and said, you know, let's go try some churches. So we tried numerous amount of churches before coming to Valley. And one of, one of our friends actually um, suggested that we come to Valley and her comment was, Christian's gonna love Pastor Greg. You know, ex-football coach, coaches you up, so on and so forth. So I kind of came reluctantly, um, kicking and screaming, you know, what about, you know, the traditional Catholic church values and, you know, the kids haven't done their confirmation, they haven't gotten their sacraments done. And um, we came that day and the message was, how do you let go of offenses? And uh, Krista and I took two separate cars because she had to go meet with a recipient for Sparrow's Nest. And I got in the car, I called her up right away and I said, this is the place. So it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty magical how the, the, the sermon that day resonated with the two of us. And we've been here ever since, two and a half plus years. So I am the first Christian of my whole generation of family from my mother's side to my father's side. Um, and now my parents being the second, you know, because they, they attend Valley every, every Thursday night and they receive Jesus Christ and they'll be baptized in, on, in uh, November. So we, I was the first member of my family to become Christian and Krista was the first member of her family to be Christian. So that was a, a pretty, pretty tremendous day. Um, you know, also my, my parents were here who uh, received Christ as well um, by, from coming to Valley. Um, and they're gonna be baptized this fall. Uh, so to do it with um, my family and all together is very different than the Catholic Church where you baptize your child when they're very young and, you know, crying holy water on their face. They don't know what's going on, you know, but, you know, um, the decision was made by all of our kids and my wife and I to do it all together and to be baptized, um, not only with my family, but two other families that we were close to before we came to Valley and came to Valley without even talking to us. And just one day, wow, the Kirsches are here. Wow, the Weavers are here and to be baptized on that same day with them was truly special as well. So before I came to Valley, I would think my legacy was to raise my family, to be involved with my family, to be a good husband, but not in a godly type manner. Um, and I think since I've been to Valley, um, God has been put number one in my life and everything I do for my family and my marriage puts God first and 
um, the decisions that I make are, you know, kind of in collaboration with what's right and, and, and what's wrong. Well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the fact that I think for my wife and I, the legacy that we leave when we leave our earthly bodies is in our children. And a true measure of how um, a marriage is um, displayed here is in our children. And um, I, always, I always say to, my, to, to myself since I've been here, man, I wish I was a Christian my whole life. And, you know, maybe things would have been different, but, you know, maybe I would not have realized the difference. And maybe I would not um, appreciate the difference. And maybe I would not be able to instill in my kids what, what it's really like to live a Christian life. And, and um, I, so for that, I think I'm, I'm blessed in the fact that I was able to see one side or see the difference between you know, the two, and, and having a religion or having a relationship. Isn't that awesome? Just in own words of how, how God just reaching a whole, you know, re reaching a whole family. And uh, Christian and I have a, have a kind of a special bond in a sense that he was also a quarterback in high school, so we're QB1. We kind of see things the same. And uh, not only is Christian uh, in his spare time uh, the coach of the Duchess Debs girls softball team, but he's also one of the coaches now at Arlington High School uh, on staff there as well. And so I think that's just the best thing. I mean, sometimes I, I think you probably get sick of just hearing from me. But to hear from someone else, this, this is how God's impacted my life. Just since walking in the door, not even three years ago, less than three years ago. And so that's why we do what we do. And while he was speaking there, I was just reminded, I, I shared with our girls, our daughters, when they were home fall break, some of these things that we're going to be doing. And because and, it's not for my kids. <laughs> in fact, one of my girls was like, why didn't you do this when we were little, Daddy? You know, uh, because it's not about me and mine. It's about you and yours and them and theirs. It's about doing all we can to not only leave a legacy, but to live a legacy. Here's the last thought. I will never miss what I invest in eternity. That's the truth. There's, there's no way around it. What you invest in eternity, what I invest in eternity, we'd never miss that. We'd never miss it. Because there's just something about how I believe God's wired us inside. That when we begin to understand what Jesus was talking about, about being rich towards God, it's like you see everything completely different again. Completely different. And it stays with you. And it rearranges everything around you as well. So I'm going to ask right now, would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in and through the Valley family. And Lord, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, the, the words that we've looked at tonight, Lord, the words of Scripture, the words of Jesus, that Lord, you just give us, each and every one of us, courage. Lord, just to seek you, just to pray. And say, God, what, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? Father, that we collectively as a Valley family cannot just leave a legacy, but that we can live a legacy by being rich towards you, God, in treasures that are in heaven. 
thank you, Father, for your word. And may we live it out now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.